This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Hopefully you've worked out now after nearly two months of having me that I do quite enjoy opening a message with a question. So I am going to throw you once again uh, to a question. This time, what are your top three spheres of influence? So this might be the place where you just are the most in your life, where you spend most of your week, or it could be something where you feel like you have a really specific uh, impact and influence. What are your three top spheres of influence in your life, do you reckon? Why don't you turn and share that to somebody around you? just to get the the brain juices flowing, not to dive too deep into it. But we all have these contexts, don't we? Uh, Whether it's our our family, whether it's our workplace, whether it's uh, connecting with other people around common interests or or sports or or key kind of relationships that we have that in. And, And this morning, we want to start thinking about the ways that God can actually use us and work through us amongst the people and the places that I would say he has sent us, amongst those contexts where he has placed us to be used by him uh, for his glory. I don't know if you can remember one of the first experiences you had where you were really aware that God was working through you to bless others. Uh, But for me, one of those formative, uh, I guess, examples in my life came when I I was a teenager, and I was heading off on a, on a, on a camp. It was, a, it was a Christian camp. I grew up in Canberra, far away from beaches. And so Christian camps in, in Canberra had a little extra sweetener that we went to the beach. So it always got well attended. Uh, and on this particular one, I was actually going to be invited to share my testimony on one of the nights. Uh, now, it might seem weird since I'm up here all, all the time. But as a teenager, I was a, a shy, retiring um, not good with words up at the front of people, but I had this opportunity and I had this passion in my heart uh, to share what God had done for me. And so on Saturday night after we'd had dinner, we, we walked down to the beach uh, as these group of teenagers on, on various um, parts of their own spiritual journey. And we sat on this little grassy knoll overlooking the beach, the stars above us, and I just got to get up and as, as best I could, which was probably pretty fumbling and I probably would have done it a whole lot better now if I had my time again, but I just got to share why God was such good news to me. And I remember really vividly walking back to the campsite, surrounded by all these, all these people, and having someone come up and just really encourage me in that. And man, I was, I was on cloud nine. Uh, like, there was something so wonderful and joy-giving and, and life-giving about knowing that you know that you know that God just used you to speak into the lives of others. And it wasn't necessarily about me or what I'd done or how eloquent I was, because I don't think I was, but just there was that element that God used my simple offering to bless and to encounter and to encourage people towards him, no matter where they were on their spiritual journey. Now, of course, since then, I've very much got a firm conviction that we don't just do that in special times and and special places and and Christian camps where you get to publicly speak. But throughout the years, I've had the experience of the thrill of having God work through me in conversations with strangers, in interactions with neighbours, in the ongoing support and and witness and encouragement in the life of my friends or, or family. 
uh, in key discipling relationships, and of course, in church ministry as well. And so I have this firm conviction that, that all of us are placed in contexts where God seeks to use us, to work through us, to impact the lives of others for his glory. Have you experienced this in your own life? Do you share that same conviction? What a life of kingdom adventure that we're called on to, right? Uh, not just to go through life on autopilot, but actually to be aware of and to be proactive in pursuing the ways that God is seeking to use us amongst the people and the places where he has placed us. So today we are going to continue our January series, which is all about us starting the year strong, uh, positioning our hearts at the beginning of a new year to go after the things of God together. You know, last week we looked at connecting with God. We want to be a people who actually know God, not just know about God uh, this year as we draw close to him through the very rhythms of our lives. Uh, and today, very much want to speak into this idea that God can use you. God wants to overflow, flow through, to reach out and to impact people uh, in, in your lives. So I'm going to do a little quick little teaching session, and then we're going to, again, get some people up to share what this looks like uh, in their lives. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, uh, but the Gospel of John uh, has a word that is used over and over and over again. Does anyone want to shout out what that word might be? Well, I can't quite, can't quite hear any of those. Maybe I need to go. My brother's an audiologist. Maybe I'll give him a ring. Um, Sent, the word is sent, uh, nearly 60 times throughout the Gospel of John, the word sent and its derivatives are used. Uh, this is very deliberate and intentional from the writer of the Gospel of John. John, He's wanting to draw our attention to this recurring motive that continues to occur. Uh, now, 38 of those times, those instances, are used by Jesus to speak of himself, and so in all things, of course, Jesus is our great model and our great example. Uh, but, it, but it really grabs my heart and my attention to see that he has such a self-awareness and a self-understanding as one who is sent by God. And you get the sense, don't you, not just through John, but through the other Gospels as well, which don't you record that word as much, that wherever Jesus goes, there is an intentionality. There is a purposefulness to his interactions and to how he carries himself and to what he says, what he does, that very much comes from this identity as someone that has been sent by God, that is on mission for God, someone who wants God to work through to impact those that he encounters. So I'm just going to pick up uh, um, a couple of them from, from the Gospel of John uh, for us as well. So, so John chapter 4, uh, my food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me. Uh, this idea that this is, a, this is a purpose statement. This is a statement of fulfillment. Now, Jesus is saying, you know, I'm going to be most satisfied. I'm going to be most sustained in my life and my ministry when I actually know that I'm doing what the one who sent me wants me to do. John 5, this speaks of dependence, his dependence on God. But I myself can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. My judgment is just because I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Uh, there's a dependence on God. There is a directiveness from God as he seeks to please and honor the one who sent me. John chapter 7, Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. 
So even in the content of his speech, the things that he says, the things that he instructs, there is this sense that I'm just speaking and teaching what the one who sent me, God the Father, wants me to say and to teach. John chapter 7, this is speaking about Jesus' authority as he ministers. You know me and you know where I'm from. I'm not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. There is this delegated authority when you send somebody, isn't it? Uh, I don't know how many people are CEOs of large corporations here, but if you sent somebody uh, to speak to upper middle management, there is an authority that that messenger would carry because you were the one that sent them. And Jesus has this same idea of his authority that it derives from the one who sends him, God the Father. And then, and then lastly, um, though there's plenty more in the Gospel of John if you want to read it for yourself. John chapter 8, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And so Jesus, as he's going around into these various contexts, these contexts with his 12 disciples, with the crowds, with uh, the Pharisees and the religious scribes of the days, he's interacting with Roman authority, has this idea of his sentness, uh, this vocation that comes from the fact that God the Father has sent him. And so everything he seeks to do and the way he seeks to interact or what he says and what he doesn't say uh, is there to not only come from God but to be returned to God in praise and glory for him. And so God will be pleased, as we know, to work powerfully through the life of Jesus, the one that he sends to the world that he loves. And I want us to think about that um, because 38 of those words, sentness, Jesus is using of himself, um, but there are quite a few that he very deliberately uses of you and I. So in John chapter 17, this is Jesus' great high priestly prayer the night before he's betrayed, arrested, and crucified. He prays for his disciples. So you know that this is going to be a prayer that is close to the very heart of Jesus for his disciples. And you know in those final moments, he's going to pray some of the most strategic things he can over their life and their ongoing ministry. And so Jesus prays to the Father, and he prays this. God, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them. Let that sink in. In the same way that God the Father sent God the Son into the world, God the Son now sends you and me, those original 12 disciples, into the world. He sends us to be and to bring good news wherever we go, to be a living testament and witness to the truth of the kingdom that God has drawn near. To reveal God to a lost and hurting world. To be the hands and feet of Jesus as we seek to feed the hungry, heal the sick, restore the broken, comfort the mourners. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And what is a prayer before his crucifixion becomes a commission after his resurrection. John chapter 20, Jesus appears having been raised to the dead. And commissions his followers, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. And he breathes on them for them to receive the Holy Spirit. My friends, I don't know how much of an awareness you have of your own sense of sentness in those contexts and to those people that God has sent you. I don't know how much you're, you're walking in that 
and living up to that calling. But I want you to know that you are sent by God because you know him, because you are filled with his spirit and his son has sent you to those places, to those people, to those communities, to your family and seeks to work through you to bring blessing wherever you go. So this morning I'm going to invite a few friends up to share and to explore what does that look like for them? How have they wrestled with this in their own life? So would you welcome up uh, Eternity, Peter, Adam and Wendy Sue to the stage? All right, and so same format as, as last week of us, these guys, a couple of questions ahead of time for them to think through and to, to drill down, okay, well, what does, what does this look like in their own life? What does it look like to have the desire that God would work through us amongst some of the contexts that he has placed us? Uh, so the first question is, is a really simple one, just about, about our heart and about our desire. So Adam, you look like you're, you're good to kick us off. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for the invitation to share, and I feel like... My heart to serve God shifted from one of achievement, my family of origin, how I grew up, and some of my, just how I was wired up was about achieving things. And there's benefit to that, but there's also an unhealthy aspect that creep in with a sort of Protestant work ethic of um, God helps those who help themselves. That's not biblical, but that was taught a lot um, in my family of origin and church. Um, and so a shift from achievement to actually, how do you bring glory to God in all that you do, whether that's in work, whether that's in family, whether that's in friendships or any context. And so I get that terribly wrong at times. Um, I do have this terrible way of making things about me, <laughs> even when I don't mean to. Um, well, I don't mean to. But how do you shift that to being about bringing glory to God? And so that's my heart and what I do in life and family and vocation and, and ministry is that um, as much as that can be about bringing glory to God, then hopefully that builds the kingdom and, and is a blessing to others. Yeah. Nice. That was very brave and honest. Wow, <laughs> I like that. Um, for me, I guess, growing up, um, I kind of search for purpose in everything I do. So where I see God working through me is in all I do, whether that's at home or what I choose to do for work or in youth group or... Um, mainly with my siblings, just as an older sister, if you're an older sibling in the room, you might find that you have a strong like care for your younger siblings. So, yeah, just those younger than me, I really have a heart for that and see God working through me and for them. Yeah, nice. Uh, thank you. As, uh, as close to a life verse as I get is Colossians 3, 17. Um, whatever you do um, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I guess that's probably been uh, my heart and my answer to this question. And, and, and like Adam, do that very imperfectly um, over, over the years, but that's the foundational heart and desire for me. I, I acknowledge that I can't do anything without the Lord in my life because I'm, I wear my heart on my sleeve and so I have to make sure that I'm really in the word and praying and seeking God every day for what he wants me to do. And, um, and Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 is my favourite verse. And trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And for me, that just says everything because I have to trust in him completely. He will direct my path. He will lead me to the people he wants me to lead me to. And I just pray that this year I will be a better listener of his word 
and I will draw close to him and I will be wiser in him than in my own flesh. So to be a better listener, to be wiser and to be in the word more so that I do know what he wants me to do each day and the people and the situations that he puts me in and with that I will be able to just call on him more and not think about what I would like to say or do, but what he wants me to. Thank you. Um, uh, this, is, this is really cliche, but um, my New Year's resolution is that I want to be good looking this year. Um, Nailed it already. That, that I would be, um, that I'd be really faithful in everything that God's given me to do so that uh, people will uh, ask me about the hope that I have. Um, and that's uh, with our family, uh, at work, um, and in different places. But um, uh, one of the things that I haven't expected uh, is in our neighbourhood. If you want to get to know your neighbours, start renovating, as we've been doing for about a year, because people will come and chat. And if you can be seen to be different to the people around you, they will start asking what makes you different. Um, we'll keep hold of the mic. Um, so we've been talking so far fairly high level. So let's actually drill it down into some specific examples and, and context. What, what are we actually talking about here? Can you just share one or two of the contexts where you are seeking to be really intentional, that God will work through you? Yeah, so um, I'll talk very quickly about, just to pick up on the, the neighbourhood thing, and, um, and I can't take much credit for this. My wife Heidi's over there, and she's done most of the renovating at her house. I just um, get out of the way and cook dinner and things like that so she can do it. But what's been really interesting is that the same people will keep walking past our house because we're on a busy street in Wyoming and they'll say, oh, you've done that. How did you do that? And we'll just say, do you want to come and have a walk through our house? And sometimes it's, do you want to have a cup of tea? Or yesterday I was making some food for a party, so I always make a little bit more and I drop some food off to the neighbours and we chat with them. And it's amazing how just doing that, and I was only saying to um, people I was chatting to earlier, how um, when I was a kid, you get to know everyone on your street because you're out there playing. just doesn't seem to happen that much anymore. And so it's been a cool way to get to know our neighbours and it's opening doors, which is really great. And you, 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 get the, you get the tragedy and challenge of life as you get to know people, but it's a really great place to speak about hope. And if you, again, if you can be completely different and kind and loving, um, there's an opportunity there. So I'm really grateful for that. But the other context which, um, which I thought about in this, uh, just at a very high level, is, um, is uh, I, I, um, I work in a school and there's amazing opportunities for influence. For, for many years I thought about uh, becoming, uh, and, and I mean no disrespect or, or anything in saying this, but I, I thought about going into ministry in church and then I realised that there are kids who have to do maths and they'll be in my classroom nine to three every day of the school year. And so the, the, the opportunity there is, um, not everyone will go to church, but every child has to go to school. And so to have that opportunity and influence in that situation is, has been just the most massive privilege um, as, I, as I've gone about my work. And, and this has been a good progress, a good process this week because I go back to work tomorrow and to think about, I'm going to my 25th year of teaching and to think about Am I still doing everything I'm doing for all the right reasons? Um, well, this, um, one of my contexts would be because I'm a, a, a nana now. I've been a nana of well, nine grandchildren. And, um, and so really, for me now, we brought our children up in God's ways and now our grandchildren are here. 
and f looking after them is such an honour and a privilege to be able to speak into their lives about Jesus and, and pray for them. And so for me, that's really important as I'll be looking after more of them this year and, um, and I'll need um, prayer for that. <laughs> um, but I love doing it. It's, it is exhausting, but they're, they're absolutely gorgeous. And, I, you know, I just say to them, who loves you more than anybody in the whole wide world? And they'll say, Daddy. And I think, yeah, Mummy and Daddy, but who even more than that? And I say, Jesus loves you. And so I, I, I even whisper into their ears sometimes how much Jesus loves them. And, and one of my granddaughters, when you sing Jesus loves me to her, her whole face lights up. So I just love that. So that's one of the contexts. And of course, um, in pastoral care, um, that is very important. And so I, I want to be even more intentional this year. And I appreciate that everybody does pastoral care in their own way, caring and loving each other and being there for each other, which is so important as a church family that we do do that. And we have our ears open to hear about people who maybe just need a phone call or, or, a, or a visit or a prayer. So, um, so that's another way as well. But there are many other ways, but um, that's one way, two ways, yeah. Um, I guess in my first way, uh, Pete kind of reminded me it's um, within my non-Christian circles, just being that person who lives life um, following in Jesus' footsteps, which is different to those around me in hopes that they will see the difference and ask what makes you different. Um, my second context would be in youth. Uh, it's very uh, high energy demanding and so, um, like consumes a lot of your energy and so the knowledge that God is using me intentionally for that purpose, I'm not there by mistake. God has chosen me to be there. Um, that gives me a lot of reassurance and hope that he's intentionally using me in this space, um, which is, brings me joy. I'll share one, the last of the, the four. I'll keep it to one. Um, I've, I, by accident in my career, I've found myself in leadership positions that often followed seasons of dysfunction prior to what I had, I had sort of operated in, and that was in local government, it's been in some um, charities, it's been in other contexts, and I think the discipline in those moments has been to try to keep things as simple for myself, to be gentle and in loving union with Jesus so that you can model that and live that out in your leadership influence with those people around you, and many times that's been some of the most confronting examples of that um, have actually been in Christian contexts. And so um, to be intentional about how you are maintaining a simple, focused, committed, daily, minute-by-minute -minute relationship with God um, has thankfully provided context to influence people that live in your wake. Um, as a leader, often there's sort of a performance wake and a relational wake to what you're doing. Um, and to try to have a gentle, quiet focus on just how do you live out um, what it means to follow Jesus in the day by day, minute by minute. Um, and the fruit of that, hopefully, over some time with the people that um, work with you in teams is a ministry to them of uh, keeping it simple and, and keeping it focused on God. 
Lovely. Um, great. Stay on with that mic. Um, when we were talking um, in the lead up to this, one thing that came through really strongly was your idea of actually being sent to your family, mm. uh, that this is one of the key contexts um, that you're seeking for God to work through you. Can you share us a little bit more about that? Yeah, th thank you. I mean, I think the shift in our discussion was from sort of vocation and professional roles to actually the first ministry I feel I have is, is to my family. And that probably started early. Amanda, my wife, and I um, lived overseas where I'm from originally in Texas uh, shortly after we were married. And there were some nudges and prompts in that church environment and just in our life in general where I felt like the impact that I would have on the world through... I mean, I've had a few different careers. I was, you know, a pastor in a church, a librarian, um, manager, sort of different different expressions, and enjoyed all those. But the impact I would have on the world would be a hundredfold through my family to anything that I did professionally. And that doesn't diminish what God puts you in vocationally or what your work opportunities are. But to have that nudge and that prompt early in our marriage um, was something that was important because it oriented my first ministry to Amanda, and then subsequently our, our four children. And um, that's, I mean, we've had wonderful families that modeled that in our own life, Amanda's family and my own. You know, every parent does their best. And I think the model that we had of parents who wanted to invest in the life of their children to grow them up in the word and, and God's kingdom was very real. We've had to be intentional about how we do that. Um, but to shift from that sense of achievement, which often, if you get the diploma on the wall or you get the certain outcome for revenue in an organization or you achieve X, Y, Z, the system is designed, our societal system is designed to provide you immediate reward <laughs> and acknowledgement. The, like parenting and marriage is an incredible exercise in delayed gratification. Like it's, it's, massively long-term. It's short-term as well, like that is real, but um, it's very, you have to swim against the current because you um, could prioritize as your first ministry so many other things that are incredibly attractive, like wonderfully attractive. Um, but I feel the biblical basis of first ministry, it's in Timothy and Ephesians for husbands as well, how is your first ministry your family? And I mean, I get that terribly wrong at many times. So my, my children are familiar with that and Amanda's as well. But to try to come back to a reminder that that is my first ministry and the joy that comes from that um, has been across 22 years of marriage and 21, 22 this year. And um, for children, um, uh, that's been a theme that's been important to remind myself of, for us to remind each other of. And being part of this church has helped enable that for us. I mean, a lot of the churches we've been in, but um, a really holistic approach to how families part of a congregation has made that more natural for me to try to lead that uh, as a husband, as a father. Yeah, nice. Uh, well, Eternity, you already shared a little bit about youth being one of those key contexts for you that you're seeking for God to work through you. So share a bit more about how. You seek to do that. How? Um, when I was thinking about this question, I kind of went back to the start of why I wanted to be a youth leader and where it all started. And a key verse that, stuck, like, that sticks with me is when Jesus says, let the children come to me. And so often we get consumed with our own lives and what's happening with me and 
like my immediate friends or family, um, that we forget about the kids and the younger ones, and we think they've got it easy because they're children, but they're experiencing everything for the first time. So it's very overwhelming for them, and often they're misunderstood. So that's where my heart comes from it, and um, I get to support these kids through youth group. Um, and youth is structured, like we have events that we do in order, but at the same time it's very loose, so it's a lot of following your heart and listening to God and asking him where he wants you tonight, whether it's someone like a youth that showed up for the first time or a youth that's been there multiple times. Um, and it's also in the mundane things. Um, when a youth just asks, can I please talk, like I need someone to talk to, it's like, wow, like thank you God for choosing me and trusting me with that and trusting me with your children and like just trusting that God will work through me and in them, which is a very special thing, and I'm very honoured. Yeah, amazing. Uh, now, Wendy Sue, we know you as a very relational um, <laughs> being, so do you want to share a little bit about how you seek to be used by God, just in, in the context of walking alongside others? Okay. Um, well, first of all, as I said before, knowing that I need God in every situation um, because I am um, a sensitive person, and I feel things very deeply about people. Um, so first of all, I need to seek God in that, do I need to do this or not? Um, and to be seeking godly counsel. Um, also, like with Travis, we spend time talking about pastoral care and how I can care for people better. It is hard when it's a lot of people in the church, so I do rely on each and every, every one of you to be helping each other in caring as well. But um, And being intentional, God will put people's names and faces on my heart it's out of the blue. And so I will then ring people and see how they're going. And um, so there are certain people that I do see often and then there are people who just got places on my heart and I just want people to know how much they are loved and cared about and I know sometimes people don't feel that way so I do apologize for that and I seek to um, do that better this year but also with a team of people I have a team of beautiful people who um, support me um, and help me with pastoral care and I've even had a lovely person um, offer help the other day. So that was an answer to prayer because I do need people to come on board who feel this is where God wants them to be. And, um, and it is important as a church family for people to know that they are loved and cared not only by God but each and every one of us here. So, um, so that's an intentional thing for me to do that. And, um, and I also need to set my own boundaries as well because I can sometimes um, do too much um, and so I need to also be wise with that and that's been a teaching thing for me over the years um, to be able to know that I need to spend time with God alone and walking and I often do that when I'm walking I will be listening to things and also just talking to God because I need to still my mind sometimes and just rest in him and those words that we all know is be still and know that I am God is very important for me. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but you've already talked about the workplace and that whole idea of vocation being such a key context that yeah, many of us spend most of our lives uh, in. So talk to me about how you're seeking to be used by God in your workplace. Yeah, sure. Um, just for context, can I have a quick raise of hands? Who remembers the movie Chariots of Fire? 
Good, so I won't be speaking to nobody in this context. But um, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a line in that movie where um, Eric Liddell says, uh, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Um, and he talks about that being the thing that God's given him to do. Um, I come from a long line of teachers. My sister's a teacher. My mum was a teacher. My two aunties are teachers. And I rebelled against it for a very long time. And then I became a teacher. Um, and as a, as a high school maths teacher working in a Christian school with absolute freedom to share my faith and to explore maths from a Christian perspective, that is not something that I take lightly. So what's cool is when I get to, um, and I can see some of the students who I'll be teaching this year in the room, but, um, but when I, um, so you can ask if I actually do this later, uh, when I talk about financial maths, I, I explore what's a Christian perspective on budgeting and giving generously. And, and as, as the students get on, Eternity was in my class a couple of years ago, we, we actually did an exploration on, on should Christians rent or buy and, um, and looking at those sorts of things because none of us will make a big decision about that without seeking God's help and his wisdom. And so I get to do that through the teaching of the subject that I, that I love so much. But then as a, as a leader in the school, um, setting the direction about the priorities of the school. And um, so I work at, um, at St. Philip's over here in, in Narara and, um, and our, our, our key core value is Christ first. And so it, it's my job to, uh, to work alongside the principal to ensure that we are not just saying that that's a priority for us but that we are doing it. And there's so many cool opportunities about living in community. I might just say one more very quick thing, if that's okay, uh, Travis, is that, um, yeah, we, we came here about six, seven months ago, and some of you are wondering, how come I've never seen him at church? Well, we come to Five O'Clock Church, um, and we actually followed our daughters here because they are being so led and blessed by the youth ministry here that, um, that we, we thought, well, let's go to church with them. And what's really cool is when I come on Sunday nights, I get led in praising God in song by a heap of the students who I've taught and teach at school, and that is the best. Yeah, pretty amazing, uh, which is a lovely, actually, transition to our just final question. Um, I, I use that language of the thrill of knowing that God is working um, through you. So the last question is just, what is the, what's the blessing to you as you seek to, to serve and be used by God in those various contexts? Yeah, sure. I, I, I still can't believe I get paid to teach maths, play sport, go on camps. And when, you, when you're a teacher, um, the kids are a captive audience. They have to sit there. They may not listen, but they have to sit there. And, um, and so I have this awesome opportunity to, to share stuff that's really important to me. And probably the, the last thing I want to finish with is that I'm well aware that for some of the kids at our school, school is the safest and happiest place in their life. We've come out of COVID, and I think people are really looking for uh, something real and they're looking for relationship. And um, I'm actually looking at someone who's sitting in the background and embarrass her for a minute because there are people here who I work with who do that so much better than me, get alongside kids and show them so much love. And that's a special privilege um, that I never want to take for granted in what I do for a job. Yeah. I was brought up in a home um, with parents who love the Lord and they love to serve. And both of them are Gideons. Uh, Mum's with the Lord now. Dad is in a nursing home. But in every opportunity, he tells people about Jesus. And he loves, the, he loves people. Um, so I guess I had that example as well. And I guess just naturally I'm drawn to people. And I love to hear people's stories. And so I feel blessed to hear people's stories about their life. And everyone's got a story. 
And um, that's one of the reasons why I started up the senior service was because senior people, well, I'm a senior, really, I'm up 65, so um, they all have an amazing story to tell of life, of what God has done in their lives and, and use them. And, and it's a pleasure. And I just love hearing people's stories. So I'm blessed to hear, to be with people and, and to get alongside them and to pray and just to listen. And so I guess for me, that's, that's a joy in that. And it's something that's just a natural thing for me to do. But over years, I guess, I've um, asked the Lord to help me with that, to do it so that it honours him more. And, um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's the joy that I have with um, doing the pastoral care. Yeah. Um, I guess my joy to serve comes from a place where, like, of empathy, where um, as a kid I feel like I didn't have that much support or I was missing um, just, like, older role, model, role models. So knowing that, stu- that um, the youth are struggling with whatever they're struggling with, um, that I can be that support for them and I can trust in God and trust that he will lead me and he is always faithful. Um, it just, I don't know, just growing and being on a journey with God brings me a lot of joy. I think I love it because it's very releasing. There's a lot of counterfeit joy that we can experience. You can, um, you can artificially buy things that bring you joy or relaxation or rest, but they're not sustaining. Um, I mean, I, I often think lots of advertising that happens um, sells us Sabbath, the idea that you wake up on the mattress that, and you're relaxed and your kids are happy and bring them breakfast to you or you're, you're in this sort of luxury SUV and you get out and set the picnic up and they're selling us this idea of joy and Sabbath and, and there's lots of great teaching out there um, on that. But it fades, it's counterfeit, and there's some discipline, uh, there's some beauty that comes from the discipline of how do you seek to serve the Lord, and it's not always um, sexy and fun and immediately exciting, but the fruit of that over time is incredible because you, um, you, you know when you just have that, that sense of contentment, like how can Paul and Silas be content in any circumstance or in prison? Well, that's not about consuming material things or stuff that society tells us, um, you know, alcohol or gaming or, you know, this, in, in themselves, those things aren't bad. Um, but that joy has a place. There's a much deeper joy that comes from how do you just position yourself to serve the Lord and everything that you're doing. And so, um, again, I get that terribly wrong at times and often I have to course correct where I've realized other things have crept in that provide a counterfeit joy because it's, it's immediate. It's like, it's, it's, you know, we respond to that. Um, but how do I come back to have Amanda and our children as my first ministry um, to be focused on things that are eternal and that um, moth and rust don't corrupt? Um, I mean, that's a really challenging discipline and, and I get it wrong more than I get it right. But when you live in that space and in that context intentionally, the fruit of what we read about in scripture and the model of Jesus's life where he was released from what society told him success looked like or joy looked like, to be able to try to, try to live in that, that's a much deeper joy. 
Uh, well, thank you each for giving us a, an insight into your life and your heart to serve God. Can we give them a big, big thank you? Thank you. Uh, I'm going to invite uh, the worship team up um, right now, and um, I trust that was really uh, encouraging uh, for you and quite empowering to actually recognize that every context that God has placed you, he is seeking to work through you. And you can do and you can be in those places for his glory. And I think it's sometimes a little bit too easy to get trapped in the thought that there's only one particular context that God is seeking to use me in. And so I come here this morning, and I'm up on the stage, I'm on a roster, I'm in a church, and I'm, I'm, I'm very aware that I'm seeking to do this uh, in a way that God would be honoured and glorified and would work through me. Uh, but tomorrow, when I put my bins out and I see my neighbour, that's just as important a context, that's just as a sent place uh, as is here for me, um, which is true for all of us. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, so I am sending you to your workplaces, to your neighbourhoods, to your families, to your relationships, and yes, to your ministries as well. And so my hope, my heart, my prayer, and where we're going to land right now uh, is just that you position your heart this year to be used by God. That your desire, that your hope, that your prayer is that, God, in my life, would you be lifted high? Would you be lifted high? Would people see me and interact with me, hear what I have to say, be blessed by what I do in such a way that God is lifted up, that our lives would make much of Jesus and the overflow of that would be that people are blessed and drawn closer to the very heart of the one who seeks and who sends us. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.